the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, I'm Brian Fromm. It's great to have you with us today. And we are thrilled to be joined by a good friend of the show, columnist, The New York Times. You can read him other places. His name is David French. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we love having you on. It's great to have you on again. A lot of places to go with you, but I want to start with uh, an interesting one, a personal one. Back, I would guess, probably end of October, maybe, uh, you made a long Twitter post to basically say, I'm getting off of Twitter. And it was... uh, And then, of course, people... commented on that of the you getting off of twitter but walk us through that because twitter has been a big part of your life you've engaged a lot of people on there yeah a lot of things uh you know your articles and stuff so walk us to the point of getting off it and then i'd love to know how's it been not being in there on x yeah so um i always i i kind of have been on a journey with twitter at the very beginning Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed it it was sort of fun to post quick thoughts and to see what other people were thinking in my profession in real time. And yeah, I knew it was toxic for some <laughs> people, but it wasn't toxic for me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sort of like when somebody says, Oh, don't go to this restaurant. I had a bad experience there, but you've been to the restaurant three times that week and had a good experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it was toxic for a lot of people. It wasn't toxic for me. And then beginning with the rise of Trump, it just really began to change. Right. Mm. And so then it turned from something that I enjoyed to something that was toxic for me, but I also felt like I had to be on it. In other words, Mm. for people to find my work. um, Mm -hmm. This was one of the key ways that we launched the dispatch, for example, is my Twitter following and Jonah and Steve Hayes Twitter followings allowed us to help launch the dispatch without spending an enormous amount of money and advertising. But then over time, the necessity of being on went away and the toxicity just expanded exponentially. Mm. So Mm. um, as it became more toxic, its usefulness diminished. So it became virtually impossible for me to log on without seeing bizarro conspiracy theories, without reading vicious personal insults, without seeing an enormous amount of, you know, trollish behavior and mm. that some of the changes that Elon Musk put into play meant that it was sort of a pay to troll website. Mm. So you just pay your eight bucks and you're going to wow. have a featured place right in the algorithm. Yeah. And so it became literally virtually impossible for me to come on the, on that application and not experience the toxicity. Mm. And it was increasingly hard to get any benefit. And so I moved over to Threads, which is the Instagram competitor to Twitter. Yeah. And it is vastly better. It is really. really Oh, yes. 
Oh, yeah. Talk to us about how. Like, what? Why is it vastly better? It obviously sounds like it's a noteworthy difference. It's extreme difference, partly because it's comprised almost entirely of Twitter refugees. Because oh, sure. don't want to make the old mistakes, right? Mm. Yeah. And so there's a lot of mutual exhortation: don't feed trolls, block liberally, etc. And then, <laughs> wow. uh, Instagram's moderating tools are just much better. There's hmm. no pay-to-troll dynamic like Elon has set up. And the other thing, the block and muting functions are just much better designed so that you can actually, there's a lot of disincentives for being a big troll on threads. Um, you'll just kind of disappear from the place. Wow. Um, whereas with Twitter, trolling was actually encouraged in some interesting ways just by the very design of the website itself. And so remove those design elements have a bunch of people who don't want to make the same mistakes as Twitter, and you've got a formula for a better. I don't call it the good place. I just call it <laughs> the better place. The better place. The better. And David, you, uh, I, I'm going to ask you a very introspective question along those lines because um, you in particular, but Karen Swallow Pryor, who we've had on and others, yeah. a lot of the arrows you've taken are from Christians. Now, a particular yeah. type of Christians, yeah. but they are from Christians. And I guess I'm just wondering how – what has that done to you? Mm. And how have you processed that? I, 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 it can't be easy. No, it's not easy. And it's really sad. Mm-hmm. Until we changed churches recently um, to go to a very, very different church, we literally reached a point where we had to brace ourselves for confrontations at church. Whoa. Mm. Yeah, where people would come to us at church angry. Whoa. Now, I wouldn't walk into church talking politics. Yeah. I walk into church to worship. <laughs> yeah. The people, they would see me and maybe I didn't answer them on Twitter or maybe I didn't mm. respond to them on Facebook or whatever back when mm. I was on Facebook. But they would come in loaded for bear. And the last time we were at our church, we, we were at more recently before we left our current church, I was out of town. My wife was home and she had three separate men confront her about me no. at church. No. Three separate men. Now, wow. why would they confront her? Right. Not me? <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Right. And so it what it's really demonstrated to me, and this is really sad, is it's not just that there isn't much of a difference between the church and the rest of the world and sort mm. of virtue and morality. In some circumstances, the church has become worse. And mm. and not all of it. Like there's lots of great people. There's lots of great Christian institutions. I belong to a good Christian, a great Christian institution. I'm a visiting professor at my alma mater, Lipscomb University, which is a mm. great Christian school. So there are healthy Christian institutions. Yeah. But some of our Christian institutions, y'all, are less, are more, uh, have gone more astray yeah. than the secular world mm. and, and their analogs in the secular world. And it's mm. kind of sad and scary to see. Yeah. It is sad and scary. And I feel like David, so much of it, like you said, was seemed to be triggered in the Trump era. And you were just seeing things like, Oh, what in the world? I guess the question that I'm, I'm trying to get at is why, like, do you have mm. any thoughts, you know, as you've kind of navigated this, like why do Christians seem to be almost worse than the secular world in this arena? Well, it's a combination. That's a super long answer. Yeah. Um, but I, the short version is there's a combination of catastrophism 
In other words, they think that the country is on the brink of extinction. Mm. Mm. They think the church is on the brink of losing its liberty. Yeah. They think, so there's this catastrophic mindset followed by, oddly enough, guys, we don't pay enough attention to the role of prophecy and sort of Mm. Pentecostal and Pentecostal adjacent spaces, putting on Trump the mantle of national savior. Yeah, yeah. So you have this combination of it's a catastrophe that America is about to be over and God has appointed a particular person to lead us in this moment. Mm. So it's easy to see how that there can be enormous anger focused on people like me who, A, don't see the same catastrophe and B, definitely don't see Trump as a national savior. Right. We're seen as being essentially deceived by the devil Mm. or maybe even sort of like the devil's unwitting or unknowing servant Mm. in the destruction of this country and in the church. Dang. And that's how you get that intensity, that intensity that is so over the top and vicious. And it opened my eyes as to how religious wars happen. Mm. Um, it's that that sense of con- of catastrophe combined with that burning conviction that you're on God's side. Yeah. Um, drain, wow. r- remove the fruit of the spirit from that equation. Wow. And you've got a recipe for violence, intimidation, bullying. Wow. It's it's very scary. Wow. David. Yeah. Mm. Uh, David, you know much more than we do that what I'm about to say. There's an election coming up in a little <laughs> bit under a year. And so I do think there's a lot of us pastors uh, who are who are quite frankly scared of this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, not to get too dark here, but is this, in your opinion, going to get worse? And is there a breaking point where maybe things are like most people go, hey, this has just gone too far or we just is this gone? Mm. Um, I do not believe that things are gone Uh I don't think we're anywhere close to where things are gone. In fact, I think one of the most dangerous belief systems is the belief system that things are gone. Mm. Um, Because when you believe things are gone, that often motivates extreme action. Mm. And so what um, there's this famous essay from the 2016 election called the flight 93 election. Mm. That was one of the most influential and sort of conservative intellectual uh, circles. And its essential thesis was very simple. It was that, the plane is going down. Yep. America is, is, fa- is, is going down. You have one choice, charge the cockpit or die. That's, yeah, that's right. your choice. So the version of the Flight 93 charge the cockpit was charge the cockpit with Donald Trump because it's going down with Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of tried to rebut this by saying, what if the plane is going through that? You feel like the plane's going down. You charge the cockpit. You choke the co- pilot to death and then realize, oh, it was just turbulence. Uh, and now we've killed the pilot right 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 this that's a way that a a alarmism can generate its own crisis Hmm. and this is what we've seen a lot in the united states is that alarmism has generated its own crisis and so i don't dispute that america has a real crisis of hostility animosity negative polarization these things are all documented but an enormous amount of that hostility is rooted in mistaken beliefs. Mm. And so just to take one example, there's a group called more in common that has been looking at American division for years, doing some of the best research out there. Hmm. And what they found is most Americans are simply wrong about their political opponents. Wow. They're just wrong about them. Wow. They think they're more extremist than they really are. So interesting. What's that? And, and that's a very dangerous way to be wrong because yeah, it is. 
you're believing your opponents are worse than they are. Mm. And so both sides are in the grips of this problem. And then here's what's scary about it, guys. The more media you consume, the more wrong you are about your political <laughs> yeah. opponents. Dave. And so there's only one kind of media that actually increases understanding between the two parties. Only one kind increases understanding. And I don't want to do the do, you know, time is short, but you will never guess that it is actually broadcast news. Hmm. Broadcast news is the only area of news that more in common has found actually increases understanding of each wow. other in this country. Wow. Say more about that. Why? That's a great question. So I actually asked one of the one of the heads of programming at NBC News. I, I, I told her about the statistic. She had not heard it before. And I said, do you have ideas? Yeah. And she said, I've got an idea right off the top of my head. She said, we're <laughs> still about the only news outlet in America that's trying to do the news for everybody. Mm. Oh. And so wow. she said, whether you're watching in Des Moines or Manhattan or Peoria or wherever, we're wanting to create a news product that you will want to consume and want to and will meet you where you are. And I thought, oh, well, that seems in hindsight, well, duh. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> right. You know, so I work for the New York Times. And although we're a national news outlet, there's still a, two key terms right at the front. New York. We're a New York based national news outlet, but we're we're the New York Times. And so a lot mm. of our perspective is going to be sort of skewed in that more New York yeah. direction. Yeah. Whereas the broadcast news, even though it might be based out of New York, is still the news for sees itself as the news for America. Fascinating. Fascinating. So yeah, it's a really interesting phenomenon. Now I think, for example, at the Times, we've become such a national publication that I think our own identity is shifting a lot in that national and international direction. But Uh, at the same time, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, they are truly national news organizations. Hmm. And it shows, I think, in the product. Yeah. 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 Wow. David, something that struck me in, the, in what you've shared in your story here of the last couple months mm-hmm. is, quite frankly, the toxic place the church was for you. And mm-hmm. so uh, Aubrey and I both being pastors, you loving the church, knowing there's an election coming. Speak to pastors. Like, how can we... Those who those who pastors who want their churches to be refuges, like to be places where this yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. Is there strategy? Is there things we should be talking about and doing? Give a word to the pastors out there. Yeah. You know, number one, I, I, I think you guys have such a difficult job. I mean, <laughs> let me just say that. Because, Amen. <laughs> you know, especially in these current moments, there are congre- congregants who are going to want to know what you think about everything from Israel, Gaza to mRNA vaccines. Right. 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 And then there's supposed to be a specific Christian answer for all of those. Right. Things. Like, what's right. the Christian answer to mRNA vaccines? What's the Christian answer to Israel, Gaza? And so that's putting an awful lot on your plate. Yeah. It's putting too much on your plate. So my... My idea is a little different. My idea is to back up a little bit and for pastors to not so much talk about the what of politics, in other words, which policies, but the how. Mm -hmm. How are we to live and walk in this time? 
And Mm -hmm. so why would I say that? Because the Bible actually spends a lot of time talking about the how. Mm. And it doesn't have as much guidance on the what as you might think. Yeah. And so, for example, Micah 6.8, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. What does the Lord require of you, O man? What is good? It is to act justly. So there's your policy, right? Mm. We want to advance justice. Doesn't define what that is because... That, you know, that there are some some kinds of principles of justice that are absolutely timeless, other kinds of principles that are very much dependent on the time. But act justly, love kindness Hmm. and walk humbly with the Lord, your God. Now, how much would American American politics change if the American church combined all three of those virtues Hmm. Mm -hmm. didn't leave justice behind? In other words, didn't retreat. But then leaned in with humility and kindness yeah. per, in the pursuit of justice. Mm. That would be a sea change. Yeah, it, it would. would be a sea change. And yeah. to advance that requires something that is hard, and that is standing up to bullies. Yeah. Mm. Um, this is one of the most difficult things in churches today is that a small minority of members of a congregation are often able to emotionally dominate the entire congregation. Yeah. And and so the ability to stand up to bullies, even if you might agree with the bully on the policy that they like or want to pursue, Mm. let's say they're a, you know, you're pro-life and the bully is pro-life. Yeah. They still have the obligation to walk humbly and to love kindness. Right. Mm. And so I think standing up to bullies and teaching and demonstrating by not just word, very importantly, by deed, mm-hmm. that the principles of Micah 6 eight apply. Mm. Um, and in, that includes kindness and humility. Yeah. I think that would, would work a sea change. So yeah. right now, what we've got is a lot of Christians who are all about their version of justice. That's yeah. right. Kindness and humility are nowhere to be found. Wow. That's so insightful, again. David. So grateful for you, David. All right. We talked a lot about where people can't find you now, but if people <laughs> do want to connect with you, where can they find you right now? Easy, easy. Uh, so I write twice a week at the New York Times, and mm-hmm. also I post on threads about as much as I used to post on Twitter. Okay. Uh, so my threads handle is at David French Jag, J-A-G. And uh, in fact, the Threads community is so great every now and then I just do an AMA, ask me anything. Oh, fun. And I've not had trolls come after me. I've had people disagree, but in good faith. And I enjoy that. I like like to respond to good faith, thoughtful pushback. And so, yeah, follow me on Threads, read me at the Times. And I've got a podcast. The host is Sarah Isger, and I co-host with her called Advisory Opinions About Law. And uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun if you're a... Law nerd or an aspiring law nerd? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Love that. David, we're grateful for you. David French, you can find him at New York Times, also on Threads. Hope you have a Merry Christmas. If we don't talk before then, thanks for spending so much time with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yep. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.